good morning and thank you for joining us on this beautiful Monday edition. Um, the banter edition of Talk Football Talk Sports on Empire Radio 104.5 FM. I remain yours truly. Uh, Jerry Afoma, the Jade Wonder. Uh, have with me in the studio the playmaker himself, Desmond. I think okay. Welcome, Desmond. How you doing? Uh, good morning, Jerry, and good morning to our listeners at home. Uh, it's been it's been a while that um, on the Monday on the Monday edition of this show. Uh, it's so exciting, you know, to be back here this month. All right, good to have you with us this month. I'd um, like to welcome our listeners um, to this sporting world of information. Yes, I'm proper entertainment. It doesn't stop. Um, sports, the sporting world continue to um, give us action upon action from basketball to. Um, tennis, golf, um, the US Open in golf, um, boxing, um, Formula One, and as well as the um, Nations um, Cup qualifiers and Euro 2024 qualifiers. Stay tuned for all this and more as we dive into the world of sport this morning. It's a new week. As always, we are thanking God for life. Please stay safe out there. Always sanitize and wash your hands as well as keeping your environment super clean. I'm Talk Football Talk Sport team and all of us here at Empire Radio. We are wishing you all a great and a safe week ahead. Without wasting time, let's quickly look at other sporting actions starting with Formula 1. Uh, Red Bulls, Max Verstappen equaled Ayrton Senna's career total of 41 victories with a, to- with a dominant win at the Canadian Grand Prix. Verstappen's sixth triumph in eight races this season gave him a 69 points lead in the championship and was the 100th victory for his Red Bull team. Aston Martin's Fernando Alonso passed Lewis Hamilton's Mercedes to win the battle for second place, while Ferrari's Charles Leclerc um, recovered from qualifying 11th to finish fourth, the legendary Brazilian Senna was killed in a car crash um, at in the in the crash at the 1994 San Marino Grand Prix. But Verstappen's achievements in matching Senna's career, nine years younger, underlined the way the Dutchman and Red Bull have dominated F1 for the past two seasons. In golf, Rory McIlroy, nine-year wait for a fifth major and win goes on after he was beaten by one shot by American White Dam Clark at the U.S. Open in Los Angeles. The 29-year-old Clark carded a level par 70 to claim his first major on 10 under and claim the $3.6 million winner's check. McIlroy looked shattered after one after another close call in a major but said he's right there and it's such fine matches that decides winning a major. Um, congratulations to world number 32 Wyndham Clark on his first major title. Moving on to boxing, where Olympians Fraser Clark and Caroline Dubois extended their unbeaten professional records with dominant points win at the London York Hall. And Clark won all 10 rounds against Marius Wack in an underwhelming heavyweight contest. While lightweight um, Dubois dropped Yanina Del Carmen in the fifth round but was taken to the eighth round distance by highly rated Carmen. Both Clark and Dubois have now won all seven of their professional fights. Um, Finally, in tennis, Katie Bolter won her first WTA tour title after beating fellow Britain and Jordan Borrell in the Rotse Nottingham Open final. Bolter beat Borrell 6-3-6-3 in the first all-British final at this level since 1977. Bolter now follows Joanna Conta as a British winner in Nottingham, cementing her position as a British number one and surging up the rankings to inside the top 80 still in tennis. And the Murray continued his excellent preparation for Wimbledon with a second successive title. The former world number one followed up his win at Sorbiton last week with a flawless display to beat Frenchman Arthur Kazog 6-4-6-4 in the final to leave the Roxy Nottingham open. Uh, let's quickly look at some results from the African Cup of Nations qualifiers. Angola H10 Mountain Traffica Republic 2 on the way. Zambia defeated Ivory Coast 3-0 at home. Comoros beat Lesotho 1-0 away. Insuel Lopez with 50-minute penalty gave Equatorial Guinea a 1-0 home win over Tunisia. Botswana claimed a narrow 1-0 home win over Libya. South Africa defeated Morocco 2-1 at home. Benin held Afghan champion Senegal to a 1-1 draw. Togo beat Eswatini and 2-0 away. Madagascar and Ghana battled to a goalless draw. Kvet and with an impressive 3-1 victory against Burkina Faso. Um, Tanzania edged Niger 1-0 at home. Algeria beat Uganda 2-1 away. Mali beat Congo 2-0 away. And um, DR Congo also beat Gabon 2-0 away. Uh, Mozambique defeated Rwanda 2-0 as we, uh, away as well. While Nigeria edged um, Sierra Leone 3-2 in that 5-goal trailer. Victor Siemens um, scored 2 goals in that match. And Kelechi Yenacho uh, with a 95th minute winner um, for the Super Eagles. Uh, Mustafa Bundu and Augustus Cabo with the goals uh, for Sierra Leone. Um, with all due respect to other results and because of our time, we'll be focusing on the Super Eagles. And what's your take on the old game overall? Uh, impressive results are we. I mean, we know how our recent games with the Sierra Leoneans have been in recent times. 
you know, we've not been having the best of time against them and uh, you know, to go to Morovia and uh, get the three maximum points mm -hmm. that secures qualification, you know, into the half corner is actually impressive. I know a whole lot of people will look at the game and the way that the Super Eagles player, especially in the second half, you know, uh, where I think that it was a lethargic performance, but then you can't look beyond the results that it got. And uh, like we always say, the end justifies the means. You know, we can always focus on the pattern of play. Uh, I, I, I mean, the, I mean, the manner in which they play afterwards. But right now, what we should be focused about is them getting the three match more point and the manner in which they did it at the end of the day. You know, we're talking about the team that took a 2-0 commanding lead then they lost it and at the end of the day they still managed to find a late winner so impressive results overall but the ma I, I mean the play especially in the second half might not i mean wasn't impressive but we're happy that they got the theorem as more points yeah yeah looking at um they've qualified for the afcon um already now i think they have a game at home against Southampton and Bristol. Um, but then that's just promoting at this point. Uh, but then looking at the game itself, and um, in that first half, they could have easily gone 5-0. They could have 5-1 ahead or something, you know. They, they created really good chances in that first half. And um, looking at how the Sierra Leone goes back into the game, it reminded me of shades of the 4-0 <laughs> lead. And they ended up drawing us 4-4 at home here. But then, you know, they showed spirit um, to come back and win uh, with um, that last minute winner and all that. So. Looking at how the Super Eagles performed in that game, um, should we be worried going into the future? Because this is like um, this is a game they were in total control of, and they allowed the position back into the game and um, almost drop points in a game that you know they controlled and dominated, especially in the first half. Um, I don't know how to structure this question to you, but the question is this: um, when when they, when they are in command of um, a game like that. Um, should it be um, get more goals, focus on it, or go for the kill? Or if they know they are missing goals um, up front, the defense should keep it tight because I was in the group on Saturday and a lot of people were saying we don't have defense, we don't have keeper, and all that, and all that. And heading into the Nations Cup now, because we are tired of third place finishes and all the likes, we want to win it. If we are to win it with this group of players, what do you think they can do to actually, you know, how do you think they can? What's that next step you feel they can take? To become um, to go from finishing to to actually winning the competition proper. Uh, I think for me, if you look at the African continent, if you go away and you take uh, a two-nil lead, especially in the first half, you know you cannot blame your strikers for not converting their chances because we know how difficult it can be, you know, to go to our grounds on African continent and get goals. So for me, it will not be as if we didn't go for the kill. It's all about maintaining concentration for the full 90 minutes and I mean we've seen it especially against this same opposition whereby even in our own party we took four near commanding lead and we lost it so it's not about not scoring you know it's I mean it's it's about the whole team now you know playing together maintaining maximum concentration for full 90 minutes we are talking about professional players here we are not talking about kids we're not talking about players you know that are, I mean that play football part-time so they should know what it takes you know to see games out so going into AFCON you know I expect the team you know to always play together as a team we make cons I mean maintain maximum concentration together as a team for full 90 minutes because I mean you know we always talk I mean we always say this that football is a two game I mean it's a game of two halves so if you play very good in one half you have to play equally as good in the other half otherwise you open because your opponents will always have their own moments engaged mm. so you cannot always you know rise your opponents off after taking two or three goals lead and all of that so for me where the I mean, where the team, I mean, where the technical team and the coaching staff should work on now is how to maintain concentration and keep the guys on their toes for full 90 minutes because it is not done. I mean, it is not over until it is over. Mm. All right. Uh, well, good luck to the Super Eagles. Congratulations on their qualification. Um, I think uh, um, we said it's a win or nothing. Uh, yeah. When you called into the show on Friday, yeah. uh, you said it's a win or nothing. So, and they got the win. Irrespective of well, 
last minute winners are always are always always, <laughs> always beautiful <laughs> very exciting for those of you that got angry and left uh, when the score was 2-2 i know a lot of you guys left uh, been uh sorry you know replay you guys didn't see the goal live it was replay you guys so <laughs> so for that um let us stick with it to the end it's not always when the team wins you you know the team needs you when they are not um, when they are struggling as well so congratulations to the super eagles um uh, moving on to the next phase um well Another result from Europe and the rest of the world starting with results from Euro 2024 qualifiers. I'm goals from Olivier Giroud, Kylian Mbappe, and Penalia Mueli's own goals of France beat Gibraltar 3-0 away and Greece edge Ireland 2 on a home. England defeated Malta 4-0 away thanks to um, Ferdinando Apap's own goal, Trent Alexander Arnold, Harry Kane, and Callum Wilson's penalties. Ukraine recovered from two goals down to edge Tenman, North Macedonia 3-2 away. Turkey also edge Tenman, Latvia 3-2 away. Um, Armenia with an impressive 4-2 win away at Wales. Finland defeated Slovenia 2-0 at home, while Jonas Wayne scored the only goal as Denmark claimed the narrow 1-0 home win over Northern Ireland. Ellen Haaland, um, his penalty um, was cancelled uh, by Lyndon Dykes, 87th minute equaliser, and Kenny McLean's 89th minute winner as Scotland came from behind to egg Norway 2-1 away, and Kazakhstan beat San Marino 3-0 away, Switzerland eggs Andorra 2-1 um, Away, Israel came from behind to edge Belarus 2 1 away as well. And Kosovo held Romania to a 0 0 draw. Georgia beat Cyprus 2 1 away. Albania defeated Moldova 2 0 at home. Czech Republic East past Faroe Island 3 0 away. Azerbaijan and Estonia played at a 1 1 draw. Uh, Belgium, uh, Belgium and Austria also battled to a 1 1 draw. Lithuania and Tenman, Bulgaria shared the spoils in another 1 1 draw. Montenegro and Hungary uh, played out a goalless draw. Luxembourg defeated Liechtenstein 2 0 at home. As Slovakia hedge Iceland 2 1 away. While Portugal beat Bosnia 3 0 at home thanks to Bernardo Silva and a Bruno Fernandes double. Upcoming games we see France host Greece. Ireland play Gibraltar, Ukraine face Malta. Um, Turkey battle Wales. It's England versus North Macedonia, Armenia versus Latvia, Finland versus San Marino, Northern Ireland versus Kazakhstan, um, Slovenia versus Kosovo, um, Israel versus Andorra, Switzerland versus Romania, Norway versus Cyprus, Scotland versus Georgia, Faroe Island versus Albania, Moldova versus Poland, Hungary versus Lithuania, Bosnia and Herzegovina versus Luxembourg, Liechtenstein versus Slovakia, Austria versus Sweden, Estonia versus Belgium, um, Bulgaria versus Serbia. Or Portugal travel to Iceland. Um, let me just quickly talk about some results here. Um, France, um, easy win for them. Um, the usual suspect, Giroud Mbappe. Giroud just keeps scoring at, I think it will be 37. He's doing his thing. And for England, it's all about Trent Alexander Arnold wearing number 10 and feeling as if he's the new. Well, let, let, let me just reserve my comments. A lot was. If I let's talk about Trent Alexander Arnold. And. Um, it seems to be um, it seems to be a revolution in this is midfield role. Um, have we seen the end of Trent Alexander Arnold as a right back, and um, this new role for England? And I'm sure Jurgen Klopp will be looking at that game and say, okay, let me just quickly just convert because they need midfielders, and they've been able to get just um, Alexis McAllister uh, for now. If they were unable to get um, um, other midfielders, is this something that um, full time heading into next season, Trent Alexander Arnold will play? That midfield position for Liverpool, and they just get another right back to play his position. Maybe a Joe Gomez or something. Jerry, first off, we should understand that England played against Malta. You know, uh, no disrespect to that nation, but I'm telling you, this is a country that, if you select three <laughs> eleven footballers from uh, somewhere in East Coast, you know they will give them a torrid time. So I am not taking anything from the outstanding display. Of Trent Alexander Arnold. I am just trying to say that we should not read our expectation too much. We should not read too much meaning into his display against Malta. I mean, there is absolutely no way that you will compare the multinational team to a standard League 2 team in I mean in the English game. They are that bad. They are not a good opposition. They are not a, a true test to show if Alexander Arnold has what it truly takes, you know, to play that midfield. Fine, he had a very brilliant game. He had an amazing game. And international football for that matter. But I don't think it is the sort of game that will show us the true test of Alexander Arnold when it comes to 
play in the midfield. But then we've always been saying that perhaps Liverpool should be looking at a way, you know, to move him into the midfield. When we are talking about midfield now, we are not talking about CM position. We are actually talking about the right side of the midfield where his defensive threats will not be shown too much and his attacking prowess, you know, we, I mean, we aid Liverpool going more into, I mean, into their games. I mean, he's uh, a good footballer, no doubt. I mean, the stats are there to back that up. But, uh, only time will tell. Uh, you know what I want to say, you know, I mean, I don't want to come here, you know, and castigate, uh, I mean, the young man. He has done well in the short period of time, so, you know. So we will so we'll say it's world class. So it's okay. Uh, I mean, uh, if you look at football these days, we are quick enough, you know, to dash out the world class status to players. And uh, if you look very well in the position that he's playing, uh, I don't think there are too much world class right back how there these days. Anymore, and uh, if you look at the numbers, because what we look at these days, you know, is looking at the numbers attacking wise. Nobody cares if you can even defend to save your life anymore, as far as you are contributing at the other end, you know, of the game. Nobody cares what you do in your primary role. That is why you see, the, I mean, you see right backs like Eno Wan Bisaka, who is actually a very fine defender, mm -hmm. you know, not getting the plaudits that they deserve because they don't contribute that's more going forward so people tend to, to see them as someone who doesn't contribute to their thing you know I, I i mean it is that crazy you know i've even seen someone comparing trent alexander arnold saying that he's a he's a better defender i mean he's a better right back to the likes of Kafu than he has simply because he has the numbers it is that crazy let me just. I'm not in a trouble finding mood. I'd have loved to call that name. No, don't call him. But I'll just leave it. I will not feel as if we are chanting. I'm not in a trouble finding mood at all. So let me just leave it. I don't know why for the life of what. Don't let me even start. I'll start getting emotional. <laughs> anyway, in the Concacaf um, Nations League, um, third place playoff match saw Mexico edge Panama 1 0. Thanks to Jesus Galado. Fourth minute goal. While the final saw first half goals from Chris Richards and for Lauren Balogun, uh, which helped the USA to a 2 0 victory over Canada up to win the CONCACAF Nations League trophy. Up another title for um, the US. Yeah. Uh, but then how do they translate this to when they go to uh, World Cup and um, you know I, I feel the US should be getting to they should they should be a stronger footballing nation by now. Um, but then they are trying all their best. I'm sure football, like soccer like they like to call it, is secondary to them. They have a lot of things that are primary to them. They have their NFL, American football. They have their baseball, they have their NBA, the basketball, you know, and the, the, the likes of them. So, but then, you can't take it away from them. They have some really good footballers there in their ranks and all that. And uh, once it comes to that, their continents, they actually been, they have been very, very dominating. Uh, but then how do they translate that to the rest of the world when they go for um, tournaments like the World Cup? Yeah, well, 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 we've seen them over the years and uh, it's not as if, you know, they've always been punching above their backs, you know. Try as much as possible to get to the round 16, then the quarterfinal of the World Cup, and uh, yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter how much I mean you try, uh, you know what to, you know what to dominate, uh, to show your prowess in world uh, football. If you don't have the talent, there is absolutely nothing really much that you can do, you know. And uh, kudos must be given to. Uh, to the USA, you know, they've been trying as much as possible since they hosted the World Cup in 1994, you know, they've been trying as much as possible, you know, to make themselves known, I mean, in world football. But uh, but then if you look at the country, irrespective of the, I mean, of their huge population, they don't have that uh, pool of talent, you know, that will transcend them into a powerhouse in world football. Uh, but over the years, we've seen how much they've been trying and uh, they've been shunking out uh, good players, excellent players, the likes of, uh, uh, I mean, Christian Pulisic in recent time. And uh, if you look at uh, this guy in Leeds, Aaron's, I mean, uh, uh, I mean Aaron's in under, if you look at the likes of uh, uh, Weston McKinney, you know. I mean, and all of that, you know, I mean, you see that they're actually a decent football nation and that we saw them at the last World Cup, you know, they were exciting, you know, in fact, we even expected them, you know, to do more than they did and that going into the next World Cup now, you know, we know that they have this 
young uh, talent and uh, uh, I think they are, I mean, their head coach now, Greg, uh, after you know, back again. Back. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, into that position and uh, we, I, I mean, so let's hope that uh, at the next World Cup, which will be taking place in their backyard, you know, they will do much better. But then, I don't see them getting to the level of the Brazil, the Germany, the Italy of this world. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the UEFA Nations League, where the third place play of match. So, I'm Italy egg Netherlands 3-2. In that five goal trailer, thanks to Federico Di Marco, Davide Fratesi, and um, Federico Chiesa's goals. I'm Steven Bergwin and Giorgino Wernadem with the goals. And for the Dutch, for them, the finals of Croatia and Spain battled to a grilling and more than 20 minutes of no goals. However, Spain edged Croatia 5 4 penalties after winning the third edition of the Nations League after Portugal and France. Um, <laughs> immediately, the match went to extra time. I just knew that Spain were going to win it because. Uh, we went from Portugal to France and you talk about traditional teams winning trophies and all that you always rate Spain ahead of Croatia but it's so unfortunate for Croatia they've suffered serious serious outbreak on international level starting from the 2018 World Cup final um, to this last one World Cup semi-final and um, you know even I think the, even the Euros they, I mean they the gods are not that at the semi-finals. So, so, so it's crazy, you know. As a Croatian fan, if you're a Croatian, how would you be feeling about this whole thing? But I don't know. There's, I don't think there's anything more you can ask from this set of players. I'm talking about the Luka Modric and the Barakitic and the Marcelo Brozovic. I don't think there's anything you can ask from these guys that they, can, they have not done. It's just that they don't have that extra luck that will get them across the finish line. I, I, I mean, I, they did very well, and I was really sad for them. You know, I was really sad for. A certain Modric, you know, who has given his all in international football, you know, who has played his deals, and at the age of 37, you know, he, he, he played back to back 120 minutes, even though he was taken off in the semi final at I think after 118 minutes, you know. And this is someone who is almost 38 years old, you know, giving his best in the international scene. So, you know, it was very disappointing, you know, to see that he couldn't get anything to show for I mean for his services you know or to his country and uh, I mean I'm not really sure if we are going to see him in the next World Cup and uh, I mean uh, I mean he has given his best and I mean and all of that but where I think the problem lies for the Croatians you know is then not having a proper number nine you know that can you know I, I mean that can I mean a proper goal scorer I mean in the team because if you look at it especially in the second half you know the, I mean they they were really dominant in that second half at some moment and uh, they could have mixed it with a proper you know goal scorer in that team but then kudos must go you know to all the players and most especially to Zlako Dalic you know who has come into that team and he has done an amazing job this is a team you know that always find that themselves you know struggling in the group stage of competition but when it when it gets to the business stage of a major competition you know you just see them you know they, i mean they keep pushing and i mean and all of that and i think it has really been amazing i don't think their fans will be overtly sad because they know that their players gave their best and you know to see your team consistently getting to the semi-final to the I mean to final of major competitions in the world against teams that are more eroded than them, you know, I think it's it it should give them joy. Mm. Well, um shifting to Spain right now. <laughs> um, this will be this this was a team that once dominated um, world football, talking about the Euros and the World Cup. And um, they sort of like um fade away um, since twenty fourteen. But then um the Change managers in between since then. Yeah. They had this uh, fiasco before the World Cup with um, Julian Lopetogu and uh, you know Real Madrid announcing him. him. They've had their own drama, and uh, a lot of players <clears throat> have retired from their golden days. You know, they knew, you have some new kids coming in and all that. Um, but then winning the Nations League, uh, what does this mean for morale and especially the new coach um, that is because he took over from Luis Enrique? And yeah. um, what does this mean for morale? What does this mean for the new coach? You know, heading into um, Euro 2024. You know, I. I I mean, for Oscar de la Fuente, I don't think there can be anything that, you know, he will want more than, you know, winning these tournaments, you know, for for a country, for a team that wasn't even among the main favorite, you know, when the Nation League started, you know, to go on and win this, because no matter how you look at it, this is, this is a new set of uh, players for the Spanish national team, uh, I mean, it, 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 I mean, for the La Roja and the... Uh, 
nothing really was actually expected of them when i mean we didn't expect them you know to go this one and win the tournament we know that they have the talent no doubt but you know if you i mean if you look at their i mean i i, I mean at the way i mean at the way they've been doing in recent tournament they will not give them that much uh, 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 I mean I mean you not fancy them that much you know to, to, to go to the, the uh, I mean to go the whole length of it and win it but then yeah uh, uh, and like you said if you look at the fiasco with the uh, uh I mean with the coaches and nobody expected Oscar de la Fuente you know to even have what it takes you know to governize this uh thing that is packed with young players and some experienced players you know you know to go the extra mile so I think it will give them a huge confidence you know that they can do it we know that the spanish national team have always have the players you know and uh, after their golden generation you know from 2008 to 2012 you know nothing seems to be working and all of that but now they can pick themselves up again and that uh, when you have players like ansu fati gabby pedri in your rank and uh, i think what surprised me most yesterday was uh, Lee Normand, you know, someone that nobody has heard so much about him and, you know, he considered that uh, penalty in, I mean, in the semi-final and yesterday he did a human job at the back, you know, they pulled together, you know, they worked together and one thing that I was really impressed about them, I mean, was the fact that, you know, they are no longer going about with this mentality of Tekitaka, you know, this team knows how to defend when the, I mean, when the other team is having uh, the ball possession now and they know when it is their moment in the game you know they when i mean they know when to attack as well so uh the future promises exciting you know for the la Roya. all right well, congratulations to spain um for winning um the uefa nations league uh, well let's quickly take some transfer stories um we are in the summer already so there's a lot of transfer stories flying around um starting from former barcelona and spain manager um Luis Enrique is expected to be the next manager of PSG. Um, PSG, um, they were we know they were going to change um, the coach, Christophe Gaita, and there were speculations around him, you know, if Jose Mario was going, at the point they had discussion with Julian Aguesman, and that uh, broke down, and now uh, Enrique is going there. Enrique has been itching for a top European job. He was linked with the Chelsea job. It's a view him and all that. But then, Luis Enrique at PSG, what should you be expecting for him if he eventually makes some uh, nothing much other than the uh, I mean total dreaming I mean total dominance of uh, the French league in there, you know a foray back into the UEFA Champions League and a good showing. Uh I am not sure that they will be asking him, you know, to I mean to get to the UEFA Champions League and win it immediately. But then who says that he cannot win? This is someone that has a pedigree in the tournament already. You know, this is someone that at some point, you know, with Barcelona he won six trophies, I mean, in a season. So there is no doubt that you'll be wishing he had Messi. Ah. So that he can combine Messi and Neymar, at least they look on Bappy. <laughs> so maybe we will re repeat uh, what he did with Suarez, Neymar, and uh, Messi. You know? <laughs> but then there is no doubt that uh, in PSG, if he asks for players, you know, they will give it to him because yeah. they have that money. So, I mean, they have that financial muscle, you know, I mean, to get him what, I mean, whatever he wants in the transfer market. And, I mean, for every coach, you know, uh, you, I mean, it will be looking at the prospect of working with a certain uh, Mbappe, you know, who, I mean, who undoubtedly is, I mean, is after uh, Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo, I think, for me, uh, is the next big thing, uh, I mean, with uh, Ellie Haaland, you know, and uh, so, I mean, he has a good, I mean, he has a plethora of good players, you know, to work with, but then, for me, you know, I've never rated that appears in midfield that much. So I think that is where I mean he will need to carry out a major surgical operation if he wants to be among the best in Europe. There is no doubt that in French league they are going to hit it once again. But where the owners, I mean where the ownership of PSG are looking to conquer right now is Europe. And who says that after uh Man City has done their home now? Who say that PSG cannot be the next team you know to do their own? Mm. It will be interesting to see Luis Enrique at PSG, sure. but then we are looking forward to that. Uh, moving on, Arsenal are willing to sell midfielder Thomas Partey this summer as part of an overhaul of their midfield. Now I don't know how this works. This is uh, somebody that was very very key to how you guys dominated and got back into and um, finishing in the top two of the league this season. And I know they want to get Declan right. But then, don't you think it would be wise for them to see her party around just in case? Now, I can understand maybe they can't depend on him because of his injury issues and all that. But then, 
Do you think it's wise for Arsenal to sell Thomas Partey this summer? Uh, I mean, who, who am I to question the great and legendary Mikel uh, <laughs> Ateta, you know, and uh, I mean, he has looked at his options, you know, here and there, mm. and, uh, you know, if he thinks it's a risk worth taking, why not? But then, uh, what separates, you know, the big clubs, you know, from the wannabes is, you know, knowing fully well that you need a a, I mean, a certain core of players in your team. We are talking about a team that is going to be, I mean, in in a four different competition next season. And mind you, uh, this is a team that should be consolidating on what the I mean on on the achievements that they got last season. You know, and uh, I mean, and I don't think for me, if you are looking at injury records, I don't think Thomas Partey, you know, has that. Uh, as that uh, injury scare that much, you know, I mean, he played a huge number of their games last season before injury came at some certain points, which is not, I mean, which is something that you should expect from a grueling season. So for me, I don't think that they should be letting go some of their best players right now, especially in that midfield where they will be losing Thomas Partey, you know, and, uh, and uh, I mean, and we know, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean Granit Xhaka rather, and uh, we know that the, I mean, the likes of Ernene, you know, if they want to ship someone out, I think they should be looking at someone like Ernene, and we know that even Sami Lukunga that they loan to Crystal Palace, he couldn't cut it with Crystal Palace. So I don't think why they want to let go of their best defensive midfielder, you know, maybe they are looking at the option of you know, getting rice and maybe getting Kaiselo, you know, we never can tell. If that is, I mean, if that is the plan for them, then it's a good one. Well, speaking about Caicedo, I'm Chelsea will step up talks for midfielder Moises Caicedo after a £60 million offer was rejected uh, by Brighton, who are seeking more than £80 million. Do so you see this move happening? Uh, you know, we've been talking about this in recent days and I don't think how it will not happen. I mean, we are talking about a Chelsea team, you know, that has, I mean, that has lost Ungolo Kante already and they are on the verge of losing uh, Kovacic and uh, I mean, we know that a couple of players are still going to leave at that football club uh, so they need to not just to bring in bodies but to bring in players you know that can eat the ground running immediately someone that can effortlessly partner Enzo Fernandez because we saw Enzo Fernandez last season and we I mean we also what it brought into that team but he cannot do it alone and uh, in Caicedo um, I mean uh, if you are mentioning one of the best uh, uh, I mean, defensive midfielder in the English Premier League. I don't think you are going to mention five names without, I mean, without mentioning Casado's name. So, and uh, Chelsea knows fully well that they need someone in that team. And other football clubs also need that. Chelsea need players in that department. So, whoever they are going to get is not going to. I mean, it's not. I mean, it's not going to come cheap at all because Chelsea will be. I mean, we, I mean, will be held to ransom this season as far as that particular position, position is, concerned. is concerned so for me it is better for them right now you know to get the deal done in earnest before other teams you know begin to look in the i mean in the direction of that player because once other teams begin to look in the direction of that player then it becomes a pretty war which is and, not bright and, and, i mean exactly that is what we suit brighton and i don't think that i mean that is not what we suit the other players so it is better for you you know to hit the ground running get players as you need so that the new coach you know will start working with these players and galvanize i mean galvanize them for the new season all right uh, moving on chelsea sky Havertz is said to see the move to arsenal Bayern munich um having left their approach for the german forward um too late it's looking like um kai Havertz to arsenal um it's a real thing now um we are hearing that um, they could offer as much as 60 million pounds for him, but Chelsea are holding out for 70 million pounds. Um, do, do, do you see this? Kai Havertz want he doesn't want he doesn't fancy a return um, to Germany, so he wants to remain in England. He's settled in London, so um, yes, yeah, it's, it's close to agreeing personal terms with Arsenal. Anyways, um, Kai Havertz at Arsenal, where does he fit in? Do you see this move happening? We don't really, really know his role. I don't know what. what how does this fit into the Arsenal attack? Uh, I mean, that's the puzzle for Mikel Arteta, you know, well, to sort out, you know, and uh, I mean, to find out and that, uh, you know, and sort out. But I'm sure that uh, before he looks in the, I mean, the direction of a player like uh, Kai Havas, you know, he would have, uh, uh, I mean, we're talking about a player that has been in English game for three seasons now. So I'm sure that Arteta has looked at him very well and the system fitting into his team. Uh, perhaps, who knows, he might probably be, 
even be looking at deploying him. I mean, in I mean, in, in, in more into the military. Maybe that's why they want a certain uh, Thomas Party, you know, to live. You know, you never can say. Uh, but for me, uh, if you ask me, or you know, I've been looking at it maybe since they will be playing in multiple competitions next season. Perhaps you know they are looking, you know, at uh, bringing him more bodies squad and I mean squad depth into the thing. And there is no denying the fact that uh, Kayavas is actually. I mean, they, I mean, there is a talent in there. You know, uh, we just need. I mean, it just perhaps needs a manager, you know, that trusts him so much, you know, that can look at him and know where he fits in and play in that position for a, I mean, for a consistent period of time, and maybe he will adapt and all of that. But for me, for someone that I high hope for Kayavas when he was coming into English football, you know, I've been very, very disappointed, and uh, you know, uh, I can't wait, you know, to see the, uh, I mean, the back of him, you know, from Chelsea, and uh, <laughs> good luck to him. If eventually this move does happen. All right. Uh, moving on. Bayern Munich are in advanced negotiation to sign guess who defender Kai Walker for Man City on the permanent deal. I can remember Kai Walker at Tottenham. Went to Man City. He won everything. Went to is probably go to Bayern Munich now. Guarantee trophies, whether we like it or not. Uh, the, the likes of Hurricane are still in sports. Uh, what does this mean for Kai Walker? What does this mean for Bayern Munich? Because Bayern Munich will be losing the likes of. Um, Benjamin Pavard, so they do need bodies in that position. Um, Thomas Tuchel no can work out for Mr. time in the Premier League, so he knows what he sees in him, and um, he wants to bring him. What does this mean for both, um, both sides? If it does happen, it would be an excellent business, you know, for. Uh Monique, you know, we know, I mean, we know Kai Walker very much, and that we know that even the German football will suit him very, very well. You know, the I mean, the only the only negative thing about this for me, you know, is his I mean, his injury record and all of that. And that I mean, I can understand if he wants to leave Man City now, you know, he has shown everything now. Perhaps he wants to test new ground, and I and I am sure that uh, uh, Pep uh, Guardiola and uh, Man City, you know, we oblige him that's a privilege, you know, to go to another. Uh, I mean another big club, another country, you know, to test himself. So if it does happen, I think it would be uh, excellent business on the part of uh, uh, Bayern Munich because Kai Walker still has, you know, much to give, and I don't think we have problem adapting to German football. All right, uh, moving on. This one says that uh, West Ham are preparing their first approach for Fulham Joao Paulinha, as they see the midfielder as a potential replacement for Declan Rice. I don't know why the big teams are not looking at this guy. Uh, if it's about stats, which is what they use these days. He had a very good start from last season with uh, most tackles and the likes of him. But then, it won't be as expensive as the Caicedos and the Rice. But the big teams are not looking at him. He goes to West Ham, plays like one, two seasons, get the the statistics really fully under him, then goes for 100 million. Why are these big teams not? Why are the big teams not looking at this guy and go for him now? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but then, mind you, uh, the big teams, you know, more, I mean. More, when the big teams are not looking in the direction of a player, I think it shows what we are not saying. You know, I mean, they pay scouts big money, you know, to go and look at these players, you know, and, uh, you know, for me, you know, I've always been saying that stats alone is not enough, you know. And mind you, you know, we've talked about Pahia in the group where you and a couple of other guys said, I Chelsea should be looking at his direction. There's no doubt that it will come shape. But then, uh, I think maybe they are still uh, skeptics about his game, you know. The big thing I still, I mean, I still skeptical. Then, if he can go on to Western, that is if it does happen, because I don't think that uh, uh, Fuller, you know, who, I mean, we want to leave, uh, I mean, we want to let go of this player easily for a direct rival in Western. Because if you look at these two teams, you know, they are vying for the same position uh, i mean within the mid uh, i mean the i mean the mid table so uh but if he does get his uh move to western and if he continue to improve then no i mean no doubt that a big club will eventually come for him but the fact that they are not going for him this time around you know still show us that they are still sketches about his game all right uh last one before we throw the phone line open um chelsea remain interested in signing striker uh, Victor Simon from Napoli, despite closing in on an agreement with Villarreal to sign striker and uh, Nicolas Jackson. <laughs> um, well, I I I saw Jackson. Um, I've seen Jackson a few times at Villarreal, and um, you know, I've seen him a few times. He's 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 very very quick. He's very very quick, and um, 
he has everything it takes. He has the physicality to play in the Premier League. Now, um, Osimhen is expensive, no doubt. Um, and with Chelsea flirting with um, FFP and all that, how do you see the, all this? Because this news now is saying that they still want to go for the likes of Osimhen, um, despite the fact that they are going for Jackson. Now, this is the probability that if they ended up getting the two of them, they'll be getting two players from Africa that will be leading the attack. So what happens during AFCON? <laughs> they are left with their number one and number two striker. That is if they can find a solution to the Romelu situation, Romelu Lukaku thing. And um, Amanda Brewer is still there, but he's coming from this um, long-term injury. And um, David Fofana is still there, but then we are hearing that he might leave on loan. But then how does this, how does Chelsea solve this? Their striker conundrum. You know, Jerry, I I saw the uh, Jackson uh, rumors and uh, reports. You know. Like I mean, the past couple of days, and I've been indifferent about it, you know, because I, I, I mean, and this is not due to the fact that I don't trust Jackson, but it is the fact that uh, Chelsea, you know, have not gotten into it when it comes to getting strikers in the past couple of years, and uh, I'm scared for a player coming from Villarreal, you know, a player that just had a late uh, surge, you know, to the end of the season, you know, a player that is not even. Tested, you know, coming to Chelsea, you know, to lead the attack, and that, uh, you know, uh, I mean, I've been different about this. And getting Osimhen, like you pointed out, if you do get Osimhen, I will, get, I mean, I will get Jackson. That means once January comes, then we'll be, we'll be left in the lodge, and that uh, this is a team that wants to get back into reckoning. I don't think it would be a wise move, you know, getting two players from me. I mean, getting two strikers, you know, that will be leading your line from the African continent, especially. I mean, in this time when we've seen that the, I mean, the, the competition for the top four has even become more fierce right now. See, it is not going to be easy for Chelsea to get back into the into that top four position next season because other teams also will be threatening. So I think we should be very, very mindful uh, of the players that, I mean, we should be very, very intelligent about the players that we recruit into the striking department next season. Do I want Osime? Of course, I want Osime. No doubt about that. But do I want two African players from? I mean, two African players leading the line? Of course not. Of course not. I mean, and I, I don't think it will be a good thing. And I think whoever is advising them regarding this uh, position, you know, should be should be very very intelligent. I mean, in the way it does his advice. Oh, all right. Uh, well, <clears throat> you've spoken about a lot. Especially in the transfer market, but I don't forget to spoke about the Afcon qualifiers earlier. I also spoke about Euro 2024 qualifiers earlier. We spoke about um, what's it called, um, the Nations League and the um, Concacaf, and as well as the, the Super Eagles match. So tell us, which of these things would you like to be? Uh, which of these discussions would you like to be a part of? <laughs> we already have our first caller. Hello. Hello. Good morning. You are doing Good morning. Good morning, Pastor Femi. Good, good morning, sir. Thank you so much, sir. Pastor Femi. Yes, sir. I know you, sir. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you. Okay, go ahead, sir. That is why I know what to do. What's that? I could see
Let's see if we can still fit in other calls. The number to call 0702 uh, If you want to send SMS, the number to send the SMS to is 0022 uh, Pastor Femi said he doesn't see Osimen coming to England and Chelsea. Uh, do you share his sentiment? Uh, I mean, I don't know why he's saying that he doesn't see Osimen. Uh, I mean, Coming to England, uh, I mean, this is where if you want to be among the best in the world, you know, you have to test yourself among the best in the world mm. also. And uh, I mean, I think uh, one thing about Nigerians is that we are always emotional about our players. I heard him saying something like, uh, uh, Osime is better than uh, Mbappe, you know, this is it, and all of that. I mean, for me, that is a, an, I mean, an emotional statement. As much as we've been impressed, you know, with what Osime did with Napoli last season, you know, I mean, he made, he made Nigeria proud, he made Africa proud, and he made himself proud also, you know. I mean, I, I, but then there is no way that you will be looking at Osime and Mbappe and you will be saying that uh, Osime is better than Mbappe and uh, if the options comes for Osime, you know, go to come to the English Premier League or or any big team in Europe, you know, you know, I've been saying it that if the option comes for him to join Bayern Munich, he should, I mean, he should jump ship and join Bayern Munich because focus, I mean, more more focus will be on him and that uh, he will get the chances, you know, to win multiple titles and all of that. So if the, uh, I mean, so if the opportunity to come to English Premier League just arrive for Osime, he should jump at it. He should, I mean. He should not even look back because there is, I mean, there's no doubt that he, he will be making more money and we'll get to see him play day, I mean, week in, I mean, week in, week out, and he gets to test himself with the best in the world and the whole world gets to see him, you know, regularly, which, you know, we boost, I mean, his uh, racing and all of that. Mm. He also said, I think it was, okay, let, let me start from, there was this um, talk about um, Osimen and Hurricane in the group yesterday. I just looked oh, at really? it. Yeah, I just looked at it and I laughed. I don't know if it was banter. I don't know if it was, I don't know. If, but the conversation lasted for a minute in the group and all that. And um, people were saying um, because of Hurricane's ambition and blah blah blah, uh, he has not won anything. You know, <clears throat> they are putting Osimen into the equation. That Osimen is, uh, if not as equally as good as him, um, is better than Hurricane. <laughs> and I'm judging by what uh, Pastor Femi has said. Uh, okay, let me see if I can take this call. Then we we'll leave here. <laughs> Hello. Yes, sir. Mr. Benga, your yes. contribution quickly, sir. Welcome to Talk Football Talk Sport. Yeah. Uh, what are you Okay. I don't know if you that we are having problems with the Kippan for now. Okay. And the Kippan. Okay. Uh huh. For the Muslim and the Kippan, we are okay. Okay. I don't know whether I was happy before that. There was a time 
contribution mr benga all right have a fantastic day ahead um that's all the call we can take today thank you um this one um let's just get our final takes in there we'll leave this place um your final take on everything they've said about uh Mosiman and the super eagles and of course all the transfer stories and of course the nations league and the conquer calf and the euro qualifiers and the african qualifiers as well your final take on everything i'm spoken about it forgot other sports <laughs> I think I said it's uh, Nigerians we are very very emotional you know when it comes to our players and now uh, we can very very overtly biased. I don't know how someone you know will look at Hurricane and uh, look at Osime and say perhaps they are on the same level or if uh, Osime is not better you know uh, I mean that is paint to the gallery perhaps that person will, you know will, I mean probably was just joking you know or having fun. Uh, uh, having said that you know it's official uh, with the start of this uh, I mean we just this concluded uh, uh, UEFA Nations League that uh, is going to be a very boring two months, you know, before the season starts again. But then, uh, make do of what you get. And for your own sanity, be mindful of how you take transfer stories there. And uh, please, for our own sanity also, stop spreading fake transfer rumors. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Wishing you a pleasant week. <laughs> Alright, that's all we can take today on the show. Thanks to Desmond for coming through. And also a massive thank you to the callers and um, the listeners for tuning in and participating on the show as well. Happy birthday to my younger brother, Kenneth the former aka the maestro himself. I'm wishing you all your heart desires, more blessings, and supreme health, and cheers to an amazing year ahead. Love you lots, my brother. Uh, football let's try return on Wednesday by 5 p.m. So please try and make it a date with us. Also, do not forget that Talk Football Talk Sports on Mondays is by 11 a.m. and by Fridays uh, by 4 p.m. We are still located at Empire Building Number One, Preferred Jola, Arolo Streets behind BJ Philly Station, Noshukoti Layout, Adjacent to Lufum, Akure Ondo State. So kindly patronize us by advertising, sponsoring, or promoting your goods and services with us. Here at Empire Radio, it be guaranteed nothing but the very best service on radio. God bless you all. Stay safe out there. Have a productive week ahead. This is Jerry, a former J Wonder, and I'm signing out.